You know, like, why can't we just start off in three, two, one? And you go. Know? Wait a minute. I thought it would be like Spinal Tap and go down from 11. Welcome to the Outerverse podcast, where we have discussions with creators and entrepreneurs who are leveraging the blockchain to get more people outside, exploring and pursuing a healthy lifestyle. I'm Robin Thurston. I'm the founder and CEO of Outside Interactive. I'm a dad, a lifelong cyclist, and a skier, and I believe that Web3 technology will transform how we inspire and enable people to get outdoors. And I'm joined today by my co-host, Dahani Jones. What's up, Robin? What's going on? You know, I'm an NFL player, at least former. Sometimes I think about it in my head <laughs> that I'm always playing the game, but I'm an action sport enthusiast, an investor, and an outside board member. Uh, well, Dahani, it's always good to see you. Um, today, we're talking to Rebecca Rush. Rebecca is an explorer, an ultra-endurance athlete, mountain bike hall of famer, gravel cycling hall of famer, a multi-world champion, founder of Rebecca's Private Idaho, and the Be Good Foundation. Rebecca, so nice to have you. <laughs> Great to be here talking to you both. Rebecca, there's so many things about you, and I just want to make sure I always uh, also include that you're an author, an entrepreneur. You know, you have an Emmy. I mean, I want—is that it in the background? Uh, I think no, I see it. no, oh, that, no, it's not here no. in the background. <laughs> Why? Where is it? I'm looking for it. I mean, these are types of things you just like carry with you everywhere. You know, it's like you know, it's like a child you just don't want to give up. You know, um, but you've accomplished so much uh, with your time, and I'm just excited to join with with Robin and yourself on the podcast today. So. You know, thank you again. Me too. It's going to be fun. Um, well, here at Outside, we have one simple goal, Rebecca. As you know, we want to get more people outside. Um, we would love to start by hearing about your relationship with the outdoors throughout your life and, you know, really what's brought you on the amazing journey that you've had um, with the outdoors. I love that. And I have the same mission to uh, get myself outdoors and, and other people. And my journey outside started uh, in the suburbs of Chicago, uh, growing up in Downers Grove, Illinois. And uh, I didn't come from an athletic family or sports family or anything like that. But um, as a young kid, I would beg my mom to camp out in the backyard during the summers and be like, can I sleep outside again? Can I sleep outside again? And <laughs> so I was digging in the dirt. We had a little backyard that had some trees and I would sort of, there was a little jungle kind of, I mean, it was tiny, but, um, I just wanted to be outside. And I remember that as a kid and, you know, I m grew up with a single mom and our summer vacations, you know, she didn't have a lot of money, but she would load us in the car and take us to national parks. And mm. I just remembered be, being so happy to like not take a shower, be in the dirt and go somewhere new that I'd never been. And that has stayed with me my whole life. I've had a trajectory of many different sport evolutions, but always with the theme of like being that kid who wants to get my hands and my knees dirty and, and see what's kind of around the next corner over the next hill. Do you remember the first national park you visited? Arches. Yeah, we went to Arches National Park. That is park. the first national park I went to. Really? When I was a oh kid. That was the very first. My dad took me camping there in like 1977. So cool. I feel like I missed out. No one took me camping in 1977. Well, actually, Rebecca and I will take you to Honey. Don't worry. We, we would love to go back to Arches. You, you, know, you know what my dad did? My dad put me in survival school up on top of Mount Washington and just kind of left me there. Okay, yeah. that's, that's how my upbringing was, you know? That works. Yeah, I wish I wish I could just like camp out in my backyard. That would have been amazing. But I'd be like placed on top of a mountain. 
It's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, those are big learning experiences, being dropped somewhere in the out, in the outdoors and having to figure it out. You made it out, I guess. Yeah, I, I made it just fine. I got a nice, good lounge chair now. But I mean, you know, I think it's amazing because I think a lot of kids, you know, parents don't even let them go too far outside of their house, let alone into their own backyard. I mean, if you look at the majority of plots of land that people live on nowadays, they basically consume the entire plot with an entire house. Right. right? So they don't want any of a, to go outside and even to their own yard, which is crazy. It just baffles me. But, you know, that idea of being able to go to your backyard, be able to camp in your backyard, being able to kind of remember those moments where you stuck your hands into the dirt, and just yeah. like realize what real life is all about. I mean, that's that's true childhood, which basically shapes everything that you do to this day. And I and I just wonder, you know, what do you have a favorite place now? I mean, you've You've been so many different places. Do you do you declare one place Rebecca's holy ground of like outdoor activity? You know, whether you're riding your bike or just adventure. And and why does that place why is that place so special? Yeah, I, I you know I hesitate to even say the place, but um yeah, where I've been looking. You don't want where, anybody to go there. Is yeah, that well, you don't want anyone to know. <laughs> She's I like, mean, no, I'm not telling anybody nothing right now. <laughs> Well, everyone knows I live in Idaho. I'm looking out the window here at the mountains. And um, yeah, I lived out of my car um, long before it was fashionable to do so. And I've been a lot of places. You know, when I learned to rock climb, I left the Midwest and was just like, I need to head west. And, you know, began kind of a journey of rock climbing and paddling and living out of my car and and eventually ended up in Idaho. And I've been here 17 years now. And Mm. The reason I remember coming to Idaho for the first time, I had an adventure racing teammate, Patrick Harper, and he's come for the summer, come train with me. And so I I came here and I instantly remember two things. I remember that the community of people were really welcoming. The day I got here, I met this woman who's like, we're going bike riding. Do you want to come? Um, so I was instantly, you know, treated as a local or a friend And the second thing was the amount of open space and public land and just the vastness of the terrain here. So great people and great terrain. And I haven't left. I haven't looked back. And you're right. I've been around the world, but um, this is home and I really do love it here. Well, I, I, I. I definitely, I mean, I've been to Idaho, but I have to come back. See, now, now you're like making me want to ride there and see the mountains again and, you know, get up there and see you. Well, Robin, I've invited you a couple times to Rebecca's private Idaho. Here's a challenge. Rebecca, get him, get him. Because I was just about to say that I'm pretty sure Rebecca has invited you, but there's a pretty big bike ride. Yeah. It's coming up up Labor Day, I hear. So, so it is, it is the 10 year anniversary of your own event. Um, So, you know, and and I know the event focuses a lot on giving back in various ways, um, but maybe you could tell our audience a little bit about the event, what inspired you to create it in the first place, and, you know, just some of the amazing things that I know happen there because we, in some of our publications, obviously report on it and talk about it and things. I haven't been there, but I will take the challenge, Rebecca, and I will come see you over Labor Day. Okay. Oh, oh and I'm I'm coming along with yeah. him. Too yeah, I was gonna say he needs, he needs the freight train in front of him <laughs> for like a little bit of it. And then, you know, he just kind of just takes off after that, you know. Glad to pull it's until good. I can't. Yeah, yeah. That's a good teammate. You can be his domestique. Um, exactly. But yeah, yeah, you heard it here first. Robin and Donnie are coming to private Idaho. Um 
Yeah, any distance, 20 miles to 100 miles to stage race. So Rebecca's Private Idaho launched, it's a gravel event launched 10 years ago. I'm a mountain biker first and sort of launched it before gravel was cool because I went to a gravel event. I was forced to go to a gravel event by a sponsor um, uh, 12 years ago or 11 years ago. And um, I didn't want to go because I thought it'd be boring. I thought it'd be just like road riding. (laughs) I thought I'd just be in a pack of people staring at their butts, you know, and, and I was wrong actually about gravel. It's, it's pretty cool. It was technical. It was Mm. engaging. Um, it was kind of the best of both between mountain bike and road. And so I came home and I was like, I've always wanted to launch a mountain bike event here um, to support my community and show people Idaho and give back um, through charities and through the bike community and through my foundation. But I came home and I was like, you know what? I should do a gravel event because more people could come. It's more inclusive. It's less intimidating. It's less impactful on the single track local trails. And so it just you know, I launched it 10 years ago. I didn't think anybody would come. And I had the intention of the same when I came to Idaho and I felt like a local, I wanted people who come to private Idaho to feel like a local, like they're Mm -hmm. riding in my backyard with me, which Mm -hmm. they are. And so I've really tried to embrace people. And and so we've expanded in the 10 years from, you know, we've got now got a 20 mile, a 50 mile, a hundred mile and a four day stage race. I'm looking at adding a running aspect to it. Last year, we launched or one of the first gravel bike events to launch um, and expand um, non-binary categories, paracycling categories. We're expanding those this year. And I just love, I love gravel because, and gravel events, because they're mass start events and anyone can come from, you know, we've got like seven-year-old kids who who ride to 70-year-olds to everybody in between from super pros to beginner gravel curious people. So that's the intention of the event. And I never knew it would grow into a world-class event. We now have digital platform as well with training program and RPI remote. So you can do a course with your community Mm. at home. So, and those were things we learned during the pandemic. And I mean, it's a lot of what we're talking about here with the Outerverse is that people have found new ways to connect. And it's not that we don't want to connect in real life or be outdoors, but um, what we learned is that we can create community and all these people are finding their own backyards like I did in Downers Grove, Illinois. And so RPI Remote is about you still ride with us on the same day, you design a course yourself with your community. Um, And we've got podiums and stuff for that too. So that's RPI. I mean, I can't believe it's been 10 years. When I, when I launched it, I'm like, oh, you know, nobody will come. You know, we had 175 people that first year. And I did not know that gravel cycling was going to become the fastest growing segment of cycling at the time. I just thought this will mm-hmm. be cool. I can have some people here. I can give back. Um, and it's, it's been a really fun journey. And now a decade, a decade old. <laughs> Well, before Dahani asks a question about tech and the intersection of tech and, and this world, um, I'm curious, why why do you think gravel has taken off so much? Like, you know, I do, I agree with you. Like what I love about gravel events is they are mass start, but what I enjoy about it, because I'm not fast anymore, is like, I like stopping at the rest stops and mm-hmm. like chatting with people and like, you know, kind of sitting around and enjoying the sun a little bit and then getting back on and riding. But I'm curious why you think gravel has taken off uh, in such a big way. 
Yeah, and it's kind of awesome. I, I sort of I sort of predicted this. Like, I'm not going to take credit for it, but, um, and it got really take accelerated. Credit, well, it's okay. <laughs> it's, I, I, I saw it coming because I was, because it's what I wanted to do. People, mm. people, one, they're afraid of road riding because of the intersection between vehicles and bikes. Just, you know, we all have friends who've been hit or killed and, you know, mm. it's just, too congested. So road cycling be, is becoming really scary for people. Um, mm-hmm. and also there is this, there's just been progressive need and that we're seeing, and it's so cool is that people want to explore. They want to get mm-hmm. off the beaten path a little bit. They want to do something that they haven't done before, or like, you know, there's a curiosity that is happening, uh, whether it's hiking, biking, trail running, you're seeing expanding in areas that people kind of want to get off the beaten path. So I think those two things, and it's not as intimidating as mountain biking, for example, people see Red Bull Rampage and they think that's what mountain biking is. (laughs) They see Mm -hmm. gravel riding and they're like, I rode a bike as a kid. You know, I I think I could do that. But then also, like I said, it's, it's exciting. So I think it's the exploration, the safety, and as you touched on, Robin, the community aspect that like you can do it with a bunch of friends. It doesn't have to be so serious, you know, like we're just going and riding bikes and having fun. Even if you're riding fast, you'll notice that even with the pros, like they're serious and they're racing, but they're having a party afterwards and there's a big festival atmosphere to these type of events. So that's the part of mountain biking that I think is, is, is gravel, you know, is that at road races, a lot of people don't hang out at the end and have a big barbecue no, they just and a get party. In the car and they just bolt. They just they like, go. you know, yeah. yeah, they're like, I'm out. But well, in a mountain bike race, and, and they festival... leave people like me on, on the route. Right. You know, <laughs> when I come to the finish line, I don't see anybody there. And I'm like, Hey, Hey, where'd everybody go? No, a private idol. There's a party. It goes till like seven o'clock at night. Like it goes till late with live music. So we'll wait for you, Tahani. I promise. Thank you, Rebecca. Because I know Robin wouldn't. He'd be out. That's He'd be gone. True. You know what I mean? Come He'd on, just like leave me. Give He'd me leave a, me out there in the middle of the wilderness. Give me some no, credit. Robin, just tell the truth. Okay. <laughs> just tell the truth. Okay. That's all we want you to do on this, on our podcast. Okay. You know, I, but Rebecca, I think, I think you're right when you think about, you know, because I had, let's just say this. I had a little bit of, I didn't know where gravel cycling came from either. It's kind of like pickleball. Where did pickleball come from? <laughs> Why all of a sudden does everybody want to cut up the, the tennis court and make it into a pickleball court? It just like came out of nowhere. Like these things baffle me. Maybe you predicted that too. I don't know. But like well, when I was looking at gravel, I was like, aren't these just single track bikes? Or like hard ta- hardtails, hardtails, you know, like old school mountain bikes. And then all of a sudden now I got on, on my bike put some gravel tires on, went out. And I think exactly what you're saying in terms of the overall exploration, what Robin's saying, not taking it so seriously, but to be able to connect with community. And I think that that, that piece just kind of hit me. And that's why I love, you know, our, our, the Outerverse podcast, because it gives me information that I, I don't think I had before. Now I will say this Yeah. on a gravel bike level. What is it? Four or five gravel. That's not comfortable. Okay, that's not comfortable. Riding through a creek bed on a gravel bike is not comfortable. I want full suspension. Okay, but like you got to do it anyways. 
So Dahani was at Steamboat last year, so he experienced all this in in real time. You oh know, my gosh, I'm still feeling it right now. Okay, <laughs> I'm still feeling it. We can I don't talk get to you. No, 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 no. We can talk to you about some equipment choices, tire pressure, saddles. There's some things, but I, you but, touched on but the something. Thing is, sometimes yeah, it's compromised. You know, like it's it is compromised. You know, the it, they're kind of do everything bikes, but they don't feel that good doing everything. Sometimes you want a mountain bike. I'm with you for sure. <laughs> But you touched on something I want to say too, is like, where did gravel bikes come from? And what I really felt, I was at the Gravel Cycling Hall of Fame, I was reflecting on my gravel experience and, and cycling. Gravel is like, it's the past. It, it's, it's our mm-hmm. history because the first Tour de France, mm. the first bike riding was on dirt roads. And now it's the past and the future coming together and, and the equipment is catching up. I mean, the bikes they were riding in, you know, the 1900s or where, whenever, you know, the, the first rides were on dirt roads. So Mm -hmm. it's not something new. The only thing that's new is the equipment is, Mm -hmm. is catching up and that people are catching on. Yeah. I I would agree with you on that. I like that. Uh, Insights, insights (laughs) and just ways to kind of get more intelligent about, how to go through a gravel bed with no suspension. Anyways, um, so one of the things you touched on before is, you know, we've kind of gone to the past, but we've also at the same time gone towards the future, right? Yeah. You know, being able to kind of mix this world of technology, both on and offline and bringing the outside inside and then taking the, the, the inside outside, right? And that's like this world of, of digital and technology. So talk a little bit more about how you started to kind of incorporate that and how you were so far ahead of the curve to allow everybody to be included in your environment, in your racing world, in, you know, in the, the passion and love that you have? Well, there's a couple of things. When I was thinking about preparing for this, I, I thought about when I was getting involved in outdoor sports and rock climbing was my first outdoor sport. I was living in Chicago. It was in the 90s. Um, and I worked at I worked as a marketing person in in this posh health club that um, had a hundred foot high climbing wall, and it was mm. one of the first. I, I walked in; I'd never seen anything like it. I was a runner, um, and curious, went down, started to learn to rock climb, and I was like, "Whoa!" and really <laughs> got into it. Um, and this was inside, you know, and there weren't indoor gyms at the time. And I remember, and then I'd go out, you know, to Southern Illinois or these places on the weekends and go rock climbing with friends. And we would wait for rock and ice magazine to come in the mail so that we could read about these routes and we could read about like learn, you know, of places. And I, I distinctly remember I read about this place in Idaho called the Elephant's Perch. We saved up our money. We saved that magazine and like, um, you know, folded it up in our backpack because it had the route like drawn out. It had the instructions. It said, yeah. you know, which shop to go to, you know, which coffee shop, which, you know, climbing shop. And that was when I... I came out to Idaho where I live now. I mean, I'm basically just a few minutes from that initial rock climb, but I remember like the learning curve was so slow because you had to wait for the magazines to come out. (laughs) And then only the few routes that they're talking about, these places that you dream about, you're reading from the pros. And I was thinking about now, like how much access people have through technology to information about 
learning like, you know, just the questions I, I get online. And, and that's my big goal, you know, with the Outerverse is, is I can share my knowledge now and fast track people who want to go climbing, want to ride gravel, want to do whatever. But it took forever to develop that, the information and the skill set to learn how to be mm. in the outdoors. Mm. Um, and it's so much different now. You can look on the same day, a route that somebody did and and look at, you know, the elevation profile and, and go try it out for yourself. So for me, I think that's what's the most exciting about technology. And, you know, everyone can sit and say, oh, we, you know, we don't want to stare at our screens. We want to be outside. But yeah, but think about the amount of knowledge that you're going to get in an hour, you know, researching a ride you want to do online, how much time and energy and that's going to save you and how much further you can go because you're going to be armed with, with knowledge, which is power. And I'm pretty excited about that. And kind of where I want to go, um, with the outer verse is to find a platform now for me. I mean, I have mastery in a lot of different endurance sports and I want to share that with other people. So Mm. that's kind of where I want to go with this technology. And your question of like, how have I been ahead of the game? I I don't think I'm ahead of the game. I don't know. We're all just in the game. We're in the game and we're figuring it out. But that's your mastery. And you've dropped so many nuggets of like, oh, I just want to let you know I I climbed all these rocks. Number two, oh, yeah, mountain biking and cycling. I mean, you just crush every sport that you throw out running. But your overall curiosity, I think, is what puts you so far ahead of of so many people because most people just wouldn't even stop to even look or to experience. Well, I think the other thing, the, the, the other thing, Rebecca, that I, I've always been, you know, even if you look at like the on outside learn stuff that we've done with you or, you know, other things like you're so good about giving the knowledge back to people. You're so good Mm -hmm. about educating and sort of bringing them along in the journey. And, you know, to me, in some ways, that's what, leveraging technology is all about is that you have the ability to get that knowledge to more people faster. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I have this core value. One of them is give equals get. And I get a lot out of watching people finish RPI and they've done their first hundred miler and they're crying, you know, or (laughs) like I get a lot out of that. It's just, it's like a podium for me. It's like an Emmy award for me because I know I helped somebody you know, facilitate that for them. And so I do love to share it. It's people have shared with me and mentored me all my life. And yeah, it's a responsibility, but I actually really love it too, because I get a lot out of sharing with other people. So thanks for saying that. (laughs) So I know we want to, we want to kind of like, you know, move into this world of web three, but you just said one of your principles give equals get, but then you have so many other ones. So just because you brought it up, I'm like, okay, Risk equals reward, blood flow, and brain flow, dogs and teachers. I know it's a little (laughs) bit of departure from our conversation, but you brought up the give equals get. And I was like, I got to ask her that question. Well, So where did those come from? So I kind of developed uh, the most important ride of my life was in 2015. um, And I went and rode the Ho Chi Minh Trail 1,200 miles um, through Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia to find the place where my, my dad died in the Vietnam War and find his crash site. And so wow. I took what I know as an endurance athlete, put together a really tough and amazing expedition and, and a personal journey. And, and it, it was very, it was a pinnacle ride for me um, because I found, I found my family. I found a missing piece of myself and connected mm-hmm. with my dad for the first time in my life. But I found 
my purpose. People are like, why do you do this long stuff? Why do you ride? Like I figured it out. Like, and that's giving back. And I spent, that's the film blood road that you mentioned. Um, people can find it. It's actually on outside. People can find it there. Um, and I came home from that launched the Be Good Foundation, started to realize, you know, that I needed to use my bike for more, you know, discovering the bombs along the trail, discovering that people are still dying from a war that ended 50 years ago. You know, my dad gave me some instructions to be good. And, Mm. and those were his words. And then I spent, we went on film tour, we brought out this beautiful film. I was working so hard, you know, getting the film out that I actually, was in a kind of a dark place. I actually wasn't riding my bike. I wasn't being outside. And I did this thing. And I'm like, what is it all for? What does it mean? And the creative director on the film, Nicholas Shrunk, he, he made me journal and my teammate, Huen, he made us journal every day. And then we had to hand those over to the creative director. Um, but I continued that process of journaling. And so the couple years after that blood road ride were kind of dark for me of like, mm what do I do now? Like, how do I do the most important thing in my life? And, and what do I do now? Is my athletic career over? And so I did a lot of journaling and I wrote my core principles. I wrote a personal mission statement. It took a couple years and I looked back and I'm like, what do I stand for? You know, we all, all businesses do that, but very few individuals say, you know, what is my core values, my mission statement? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And so I wrote all those things down and, you know, in endurance sports, you get a lot of time to think and meditate, moving meditation. And, and I really did, I was able to articulate, you know, and they morph, you know, I've added a few more of those equations. The most recent one is movement equals medicine, because Mm -hmm. when I'm not outside, I'm not happy. I'm not healthy Mm -hmm. mentally, physically. And so if somebody hasn't taken the time to be like, what am I doing here? You know, um, that's, that's, I wrote that stuff down because I needed to, I was in kind of a dark place and I needed to, um, you know, write my own mission statement. And it was a really cool exercise. And the magic is, is when your work mission statement of, you know, the company you work with Mm. or whatever matches your personal mission statement, then that's when people are pretty happy. So hopefully that's what's going on for you guys. That is is definitely the (laughs) ultimate goal. That's for sure. And Robin, I mean, you've been able to create something really visionary. It's really awesome to watch this. I have been very fortunate, Rebecca, that I've had <laughs> two opportunities in my life to build companies that aligned with my mm-hmm. my own personal mission statement. And outside is is number two. Matt, my fitness was number one. You know, nice. um, but I do think it's I do think it's hard for a lot of people to find that intersection. But I do agree with you that it starts with writing it down first, mm-hmm. like what is your actual personal mission statement and then trying to find a company or building one that aligns with that. Or getting to partner with one like, like exactly. this with me. Exactly. Yeah, it's awesome. Exactly. Well, I, I, I just wanted to make sure I finished up because your core principles, exploration, pushing boundaries, making a difference and sharing experiences. So I, I read that and wanted to make sure everybody heard that. And now some of your newer ones. And I, and I think, you know, Robin, I'd encourage people to do that. Because a lot of times people don't, you know, I, I transitioned from the NFL and I don't think anybody that plays the game of football, at least most people that I know, never wrote down what's their personal mission statement. Yeah. I mean, it was really just like see ball, get ball. I think mm-hmm. that's about it. Right. Or see player, knock them out. And that's about <laughs> it. Win the game. That's about it. You know, 60 minutes. That's, that's all you have. So 
Um, I, I appreciate that, Rebecca. And I think I, I want to incorporate that in the writing. If I could read my handwriting, I would do it. But I can't. You can so type. It's just kinda, I know you can type, Tahani. I know you can. Yeah, like, I know you can. <laughs> yeah, the, like this. This this might take a little bit of time. But Rebecca, I'm, I'm curious, as you're thinking about sort of, and, and thank you so much for sharing about your father and reconnecting with him in, in such a meaningful and a spiritual way for him to kind of give you these notes. Um, how, do, how do you think sort of all of this world moves towards Web3 and getting more people involved in the, in the outdoors? You know, and I like I'm not a super tech person, but I, I was thinking about this and it's like, look, we're everyone's using technology. Everyone's using it. So we might as well use it more intentionally. We might as mm. well use it um you know, more intelligently and, and where this is going with web three, I kind of have no idea, but this is uh, how I can relate it is, is basically to the outdoors, which is what I know. Um, and navigating, I love using navigational principles and most of my career, I've not had a trail map. You know, I have these navigational handrails, which are those core values. I have a, a compass direction, but I don't necessarily have a trail map for my career, for wow. for all this stuff. And I don't think we have a trail map yet for Web3. There's some core values, there's core principles, and that's why I'm aligned with the Outerverse because I, I believe in the mission statement of that. But where it's going, I don't really know. I just know that we're not going away from technology. We're, mm. we're going forward with it. And so, I mean, I, it brought up that rock climb, waiting for the Rock and Ice magazine to get the information. And now here it's like, yeah, the internet, we're, we're, we're looking stuff up every day. Um, mm. But this can't be it. This isn't where it ends. And, and I do know that, but I, I don't necessarily know where it goes. But in the navigation world, if I'm aligned with a compass direction, then I'm good. And so I don't know a ton about Web3. I don't think anyone knows a ton about Web3 because it's being developed as we're, we're sitting here. Um, what I think is really cool is to use technology to help us in, in the things that are important to us, which it, with me is moving in the outdoors and sharing that with people and doing that for my entire life. And so if I can, if I can spend more time outside because technology is better, I can connect with more people that I'm interested in connecting with inside, um, then that just means my time is being used better for the things that I really, really want to do. And so I'm not going to pretend like I know where this is going because I don't. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I if I you know, 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 tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know that I have the crystal ball, but I, I think about a few things that you said, um, you know, movement is medicine. I think that one of the things that when you look at Web3, you know, and you think about kind of where we're at, you know, from a societal perspective, you know, the average, you know, kid in the U.S. is spending nine to 11 hours a day on a screen they are, you know, there are video games that are built to reward those um, individuals for the time, the amount of time they spend playing games. And when I think about our goal of the Outerverse, it's really about, you know, rewarding people and engaging them around, you know, similar concepts, but things, you know, that would essentially get people outdoors, you know, so, you know, essentially rewarding them for outdoor time rather than video game time, right? Yeah. And I love that. You know, I think I think that's one of the reasons why you and others decide to join us because we kind of know that we're in this moment in time 
where we're sort of like losing outdoor time. I mean, the here's another stat that sort of blows my mind. The average kid under 18 is getting less than 60 minutes a week outdoors, Rebecca, 60 minutes. Mm. Like, think about that, right? Like I, it's unimaginable mm. for me or you, especially in the situations we grew up in or, or how much time we maybe spent on our bikes or other things today. But I think that's part of what, what at least my mind was like, how do we take web three together collectively? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. how do we build something that ultimately changes the, you know, the really billions of dollars that are being invested in getting people to be on, you know, VR systems and indoors and, you know, essentially in my mind, using technology for um, things that might not be the healthiest things for us, right? Well, and those examples are great examples of where technology isn't serving us. It's actually hurting us and we're becoming mm. less and less healthy. We're becoming sitting <clears throat> on our butts um, and technology as amazing as it, as it is, is not helping us in that aspect. And so being a trailblazer and how do you take technology and get us kind of back to our roots, kind of like we talked about gravel cycling, you know, how do we actually bring, you know, the past and the future together in a way where you've got the best things of the past, which are kids playing outside with no devices, but take the future and make that easier for somebody to do that. Like that's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think there's a part about, you know, um, maybe to your point, there was a, there was a point in history where, you know, we didn't really need to measure outdoor time because the reality is, is that most of us were getting enough of it, right? I mean, clinical mm -hmm. studies for both mental and physical health suggest that we need at least a minimum 130 minutes a week, which again, to me, seems like too little, but these are the clinical studies that sort of say you have enough connection to nature. But now, you know, the reality is, is that there is a tremendous amount of data and devices and technology. And to many you know, sort of, um, you know, listening, like my view is it's about connecting those dots. It's about, you know, creating a system, not only that inspires you to want to go outside, you know, delivers on what are those activities that I could go do like Rebecca's private Idaho or other things in the ecosystem that I could go experience as outdoors. And then ultimately that connection to rewards. So when you think about that, Rebecca, when you think about those, you know, sort of pieces, I mean, Clearly, the, the things that you've done are amazing at creating those experiences about inspiring people to get outdoors. What are some of the things as we think to build together in the Outerverse um, that you think you could reward people with? Um, you know, some of it might be, you know, individual time with you. But what are the other things that are sort of unique that you think you could offer um, Outerverse customers that, you know, you have access to because you have incredible access, I mean, you know, to brands and experiences and to other things. So maybe maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the first thing that's really obvious that I have to share is, is mastery of a lot of different uh, sports and time in the outdoors, whether it's navigational tools or this, these kind of bike tires are good for this, or if your, your taint hurts when you're riding gravel and it's too bumpy, <laughs> what do you do about it? I mean, oh, there's... she went there, Robin, she went <laughs> well, there. I did. Oh, man, she, she's she right said that, it. Yeah, she's right, though, that you need different tire pressure. She can help you with tire pressure. Rebecca, you are my new best friend right now. You are my new best friend. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to write that on a Christmas card and send it out to everybody. 
So, I mean, Robin, it's like, I, I can, I want to share, you know, the information that I have. Um, and I have access to, you know, uh, you know, Red Bull high performance team, you know, I'm doing, I had a concussion in November and, um, it's been a, it's been a challenging journey and Dahani, you've probably had some cause you played football. Um, and I'm, I'm documenting that recovery journey so mm. that with experts that I have access to that not everyone does and in hopes of sharing that and helping somebody else who might have fallen on their head mountain biking. So mm. it's, it's like, I'm, I can take what I'm using in Rebecca's university of the outdoors, um, and, and bring it, bring it to more people. So I think that that's really important and yes, human connection, you know, talking like this, but, but I feel like my superpower is in, you know, 50 years of, of being outside, um, I can share that for the next mm. generation and, and for anybody who's, who's getting, getting out there. But, you know, I've done in-person camps. We do private Idaho, but that only reaches a small amount of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've done rush Academy camps that are, you know, there's 20 people and they have a fabulous time and I impart all this knowledge, but it's only 20 people. Well, that's, that's what I love. That's what I love about the outside learn classes that you've started doing with us. And I know we're going to do a bunch more, on that front, it's just because, you know, now over 800,000 people have access to those courses and that gives you yeah. a chance to, you know, get in front of them and tell them about, um, you know, things like if your taint hurts and what can you do about it? <laughs> so well, I, I took I- some classes on there, too. I actually I went in and I, I checked out a couple um and it was kind of cool to like do, I think Eric Larson did like a navigation thing. Yeah, I yeah. took his just to kind of see, I'm like, oh, can I brush up on a few things? And cause I think that that's great too, is like, yeah, I'm a master at certain things, but like, I never want to stop learning. And so yeah. I was stoked to go in there and, and click around on a few classes. I think it's important even to consider that notion of that superpower that you're talking about, Rebecca, cause I think a lot of people don't even realize they actually have one. I know it's a little bit of departure from the conversation, but I think it's really important that you continue to, sh- to share that with other people so that they can master that themselves. And, and with Outside Learn, you know, all those different programs and things that you're doing to support alongside with Outside, even if it's 20 people, those 20 people magnify and it compounds to like, you know, 200,000 people. So sometimes, you know, that little, that little effect creates a, a, uh, an, an epic return. So to speak. Well, and nothing's going to replace like being together, yeah. you know, Not, on yeah. the dirt, riding, talking about things and, you know, having conversations. Nothing's going to replace that. I mean, to some extent, there's the part about connecting with nature uh, gives you this awareness about the planet. I mean, my biggest fear is like all these young people who are not connecting with nature, they almost don't necessarily care about sustainability. There's this cartoon the other day mm. I was telling Dahani about where this kid sitting in his living room on his VR system and around his house, the entire forest is on fire, right? Mm. Because he's indoors. He doesn't like, he's not thinking about the fact that, you know, he needs to connect and think about how to, you know, create sustainability. Um, and, and I think that's just really important for the next generation is like, how do we reconnect them with the planet? Because I don't know about you, but I don't think there's a planet B and I don't think I'm getting off this rock. So, and I don't think the next generation is either. So I think it's pretty important that we think about that too. If you don't know something, you can't love it. You can't care for it. And it, it was part of my launching Rebecca's private Idaho is people, people were like, I, I, 
Idaho, Iowa, what's that place like? And it's, you know, it's really remote and beautiful. And, and the goal was, I'll show you and then you'll love it and care for it and, and want to take care of, you know, the beautiful places that we ride. And so that's always been part of the mission is show people, let them fall in love and then they want to take care of it. Yeah. hundred mm-hmm. percent. So how do you, how do you see, you know, as, as you've gotten more in, involved in the outerverse, how do you see you know, NFTs helping athletes and creators like yourself? I mean, yeah, I thought about this too. I've been scrapping and scratching my career, you know, for, for decades and, and trying to figure out how do I continue to make a career out of doing what I love being outside. And I, I could have chosen a career path that would have made me more money and would have been a hell of a lot easier, but I didn't. And so each evolution and the reason I'm in the game is that I've had to try to create, like, how can I keep sustaining doing what I want to do? And so what I'm really excited about with the Outerverse is this is a way for for somebody like me to actually use my intellectual property, keep mm-hmm. it as my own, you know, not have to sort of sell it out um, and not get, not get compensated or not get rewarded for it myself. Um, and believe me, I'm not an athlete in, in this career to, you know, get rich, but everyone needs to make a living. And so for creators, I look at this as really exciting to actually have a way to take what we have, share it, but also maintain control of how it's shared, how it's monetized. And I'm pretty excited about that because it opens a door for people to make a living at at what they love doing. And every creator I know, Chris Burkhart, me, like uh, all the Sasha, like athletes have not, especially outdoor, um, outdoor athletes that aren't in the NFL or other, you know, super high paying sports. Um, they're not making a great living and they're really trying, they're in it because they love it and because of passion. So I'm actually excited that a lot of my friends are, are, are going to be, I think this is the next career evolution for, for people like me. And I'm super excited about that. Well, and I think, I mean, to your point, Rebecca, I mean, I think it's, it's all about, you know, changing the monetization structure. I mean, if you think about, you know, kind of this evolution of, you know, web one to web two to web three, it's like, you know, web one is read, Web two is uh, read, write. Web three is mm-hmm. read, write, own. And, you know, my view is that, you know, all of you have been spending a tremendous amount of time, you know, say promoting to your, you know, your fan base on places like Instagram or Facebook. And, you know, the reality is they don't share any of the revenue with you. You know, yeah. they, they don't, and you actually don't know who your customers are other than the comments that they make back. You don't have a connection to them. You can't email them. You can't have that ongoing connection. And I think Web3 is a lot about changing that monetization structure so that the majority of revenue is going to you. And when that product, whether it's a photo, whether it's an article, whether it's a video is resold that you are automatically getting compensated through that through a structured royalty that is yeah. has been very challenging to manage in the past until you know in my view web3 and blockchain and smart contracts came have come along to really help solve this problem for creators like you well, and it changes the model from, you know, uh, sponsorship, athlete sponsorship model to, and I've been trying to do this for years and, and I love the partners that I work with, but it's like, I want a relationship. And then I also want, you know, you can have, I've, 
had years where, you know, I won, you know, I won a world championship and then got cut, you know, from a sponsor that following year, not because I didn't do a well at my job, but because marketing budgets are marketing budgets mm-hmm. and yeah. they're the first thing to go. And so this is an opportunity for people to actually have control of their career and have some, um, have some just something they can rely on that, that I something that I can control that I rely on. And if I do a good job, I'm not going to lose my career. Um, because of a marketing budget. So I think that that's a really exciting evolution for for creators to actually build a sustainable um, business for themselves in this model. And you can even yeah. go back before Web 1, you know, like, I, I mean, you're like, try to write an article for Climbing Magazine, and maybe it gets picked up. And, you know, I can't tell you, I, you know, I lived out of my car, I ate tuna and ramen, that's all I could afford. I had no health insurance, but mm. I was doing it because I love it. And, you know, that's not sustainable. Um, and I just, no. I, maybe I'm stubborn enough, I stayed in it long enough. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think about young athletes right now trying to make a go of it. And there's a lot more tools, which mm-hmm. is really exciting. There's a lot more tools to actually make a go of it. And people, we had, you know, you have your fans, you have the people, or we have people that we are fans of, and we want them to keep doing what they're doing. But you can't ask them to donate their time. And so yeah. you want to provide a source for the people that you're inspired by, artists, athletes, musicians, you want to provide a place where they can continue to thrive and, and do their jobs. Otherwise, if they can't do that, you don't get to listen to their music or see their art or get mm-hmm. inspired by their athletic endeavors if there isn't an outlet for them to build a sustainable career. When you were talking about the NFL um, and <laughs> NBA and some of the, you know, the, bigger, the bigger sports, so to speak, and I would actually argue that the outdoors space and action sports is actually bigger than some of the big three, right? People always talk about football, basketball, baseball. No, no, no. I I see more people cruising past my house in Pelotons of like 40 and 50 back to back. (laughs) It's insane, right? So there's, there's more people that are outside. And I think that exactly what you're saying, Rebecca, in terms of having that level of ownership and having that level of connectivity with community, that's that, that final point. But, Alas, there are still the haters that are out there, right? There are still people that look at NFTs and Web3 and, you know, they don't articulate it as, as well as we might do so in our conversation and they push back. Why do you think, why do you think that's, the, that's the case? Well, look, there's, there's, um, there's people who lead and there's people who follow. And what I can predict is the haters or the people that aren't on board right now two, three years from now, they'll probably have a different story when they get it, Mm. when they're, you know, they're not, they're not leaders. They're going to follow when the time is to follow. Um, and they'll get it then. And you know, all my career, it's people have been like, well, why, why, no, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Um, and sure enough. And then later you get celebrated for being a trailblazer and being an entrepreneur, but any entrepreneur, you know, Steve jobs, wasn't like celebrated in the beginning as having some really cool idea, but afterwards everybody's like, oh yeah, that was, that was cool. So, well, I, you even, know, for, he, even, he even got, yeah. he even got fired. He got fired from his own <laughs> company. Exactly. So, so no, no, it, it's not easy to lead. It's not easy to be first. It's not easy to be at the beginning or, you know, an early adopter of something because, um, and as I said earlier, I don't totally understand this or where it's going with web three, but I, I get the core values. So I'm on board because of that. Cause it's either 
come along or be left behind. And so to the haters, it's like, that's fine. You can fall to the back of the pack. That's okay. Like, that's cool. I'm not pulling them. No, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, ultimately we got, we got to bring everybody along, but to Rebecca's point, it takes time. I'll go back. Fine. I'll go back. I always do for you when you're falling behind, I go back and I pull you. Okay. Well, here's the thing. If you're confident in where you're going, people will come, they will come along and you stay with your core values and you know, you're, you're doing it ethically and making good decisions then that's the best thing you can do. And if not everyone gets it in the beginning, that's okay. Yeah. So Rebecca, we, 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 on that note, um, when you think about the future and inspiring future generations of not just cyclists, but all of the, you know, sports and categories that you love, um, how do you, how do you see making this big sea change with this next generation? Like, how do you see getting them, you know, again, like you and I and Dahani that had sports really our whole life as sort of the backdrop for, you know, what we've done. How do, how do you see getting inspiring this next generation? You know, there's a, a great quote. I think it's Gina Davis. Um, you can't be what you can't see. And so mm. we have to show them. We have to show them the outdoors. We have to take them. We, even if it's in a digital, showing people Alaska, you know, filming the projects that I go do, um, it's to show people. And eventually they'll see and they'll have that curiosity to be like, wow, what's in my backyard? Where can I go? And how do we get them there? Yeah, exactly. First we show them. Yeah. And then we arm them with information. We show them inspiration comes first. You know, education comes second um, and mm-hmm. the tools that they need to do it and a community to to prop them up. I mean, I remember learning sports, you know, with you need mentors, you need friends, you need people to be like, hey, do you want to go do this? And mm-hmm. so that's what it is. Inspiration, education and community and in that order. And that's the secret sauce. There you have it. <laughs> now our audience knows there is the secret sauce. <laughs> She's got the sauce. She's got the sauce. Is it, wait, can I ask? I'm going to ask one really quick question. What ingredient do you think we're missing in order to make the perfect sauce? I think the spice. And that's where um, I think diversity comes in. And more people who have never or are curious but never seen it, just more diversity. I think that's the spice in this secret mm-hmm. sauce. Yeah, there we gotta got get it. more. We gotta get more communities into the outdoors. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. There you have it, Robin. There we have it. All right, there we have it. <laughs> was well, amazing. Yeah. I'll send like you my consulting away. fee later. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> we got so many, <laughs> so kidding. many good insights today. Um, so, Rebecca, uh, thank you so much for for joining us. Um, we uh, obviously, I'm sure we'll have you on again. And Dahani and I will see you at Rebecca's private Idaho on Labor Day weekend. Yes, you heard it here first. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> We've now signed up, Donnie. We have no choice. We have to go. We, we have to be there. I'm going to bring my tire pressure down to 45. <laughs> yes, no, 38, please. 38, 38. <laughs> but I can't go 50 miles an hour downhill on 38 tire pressure. What am I supposed to do? To get through those rock beds, you got to have a little lower, right, Rebecca? <laughs> we'll have a discussion. Or maybe a little wider tire for you. Maybe a little f- wider. Wider tire. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Rebecca, uh, we're excited to partner with you here at the Outerverse. Again, thank you for your time today. And as always, so good to see you. That was so fun. Dahani, Robin, thank you. And I'll leave you with the words, be good. Thank you so much. Be good. Be good.
Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening. The Outerverse Podcast is an outside interactive production with hosts Robin Thurston and Dahani Jones. The producer and sound engineer is Kirk Warner. Scheduling by Adrian Paulson. To learn more about all we are doing in the Outerverse and to sign up for the Outerverse Passport, head to outside.io. Have a great week and get outside.